Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another episode of Leadership Moments with author, professor, and John Maxwell certified business and executive coach, David McNamee. This show is for everyone who wants to learn, grow, and do the hard work of becoming a better servant leader. Whether you're a veteran leader of people or you're just getting started, we can all improve our leadership at home, at work, and in our communities. This weekly show gives you access to the best thinkers, resources, and actions to help you develop your servant leadership skills. And now, here's your host. Hello, my friends. This is David McNamee, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time each week to tune into the show. Today's a solo show. It's just me on the air here. So if you've got your pens and your paper, today we're going to be talking about the challenges of leading when the chips are down. It's a tough fact of life that we don't learn much about ourselves or our character in good times. We can't fully discover our strengths and our shortcomings without being tested by adversity. How we deal with it, or how we learn to deal with it, is central to who we are and how credible we will be in leadership roles. In bad times, all eyes are on the leader. How you behave will have a tremendous impact on your people, on your organization, on your community. Leading during hard times is tough, and it's when leadership is truly proven. Warren Bennis, who has written extensively on leadership, suggests that it's within this, what he calls the crucible of adversity, that effective leadership is formed. Put another way, the skills and resilience required to conquer adversity and emerge stronger and more committed than ever are the same ones that make for extraordinary leaders. And this applies to anyone in a position of leadership. I'm not just talking about the CEO, but I'm talking about leaders from all walks of life, including you. Whether it's family or vocational, whether it's a management or supervisory responsibility that you have, it, it could be entrepreneurship, it could be the civic or political arenas, it could even be localized to your community or neighborhood might even be a national matter, such as we're facing now with difficulties in our recent presidential elections. How you lead in each of these situations will be shaped by your response to adversity. Now, before I go on, let me back up a bit and talk about leadership in general. Leadership's primary challenge, and it really comes to the forefront more than any other time during adversity, is the challenge to inspire. The most powerful tool a leader has in his or her toolkit is the power of inspiration. It's important that we see this because most of the time, or a lot of the time, it seems like leaders feel like, well, it's all me. It's my responsibility to come up with the great idea, the brainstorm, the solution to the problem. 
but the most experienced and successful leaders seldom have all of the good ideas. If you watch carefully, the truly successful leaders cultivate and inspire idea generation. The best ideas, quite honestly, may come from someone on your team. They may come from a customer or a market that you serve. It may come from your clientele. When I was in the military, I had the pleasure of leading some of the smartest and most talented people I've ever met. One of the things that I learned real early on was that most of the best ideas for getting the job done came not from me, but from them. When I led a team that managed the largest graduate business degree program in the state of Oregon, my primary challenge in leading my team was inspiring them and then listening carefully to their ideas and suggestions. Basically, one of the things that inspires idea generation on any level is that you as a leader learn to be inspirational. Inspiring people to a greater level of effort, inspiring cohesive, meaningful group effort, inspiring people to respond positively to the inevitable challenges that are going to come along. The next challenge I want to talk about for successful leaders is to recognize adversity as a time of opportunity. Have you noticed that many times when times are challenging, people have a tendency to kind of hunker down and try to weather the storm? It's this siege mentality that causes us when the time comes to batten down the hatches and just ride out the storm. I see this all the time in troubled organizations and teams. Times are tough. No one wants to take a risk for fear of something. You, you fill in the blank there. They don't want to take a risk for fear of something. So they put their heads down and they hope that the storm will blow over. My friends, I got to tell you, that's the wrong perception, the wrong paradigm to cultivate. You have to see adversity as the prime arena for you to experience opportunity. You have to believe that more than anything else, these difficult times are going to present you with opportunities for great growth and great increase, greater possibly than any other time during your business experience or leadership history. There's an old Greek story about the Greek god of opportunity. It's pronounced in some books as Kairos, and Kairos stands on tiptoe because he's always running, and he has wings on his feet to fly with the wind. He has one lock of hair on the front of his head, but the back of his head, like mine, is bald. Why? Because opportunity comes at us so fast and so unexpectedly that we have only one chance to seize him. Once he's gone by because he's bald, we don't get another chance to catch him. We can understand then that I think when others are hunkered down, weathering the storm. If we're excited about the possibilities this environment is going to present us with, then we are positioned for success. There's nothing more inspirational to the people that work for you or that you are working with than to see you excited, to see you truly adopting the perspective that now, no matter how tough it is, now is going to be a breakthrough time. When other people are hurting, 
It is a truth that felt needs are going to be more intense than ever before. And I believe you have an opportunity to see those felt needs and address them perhaps in ways that wouldn't occur to you under more normal conditions. So rather than adopting a siege mentality, you have to cultivate a mindset that focuses on opportunity. The third point I want to make is that it's important and informative for us to understand that seizing opportunity implies some measure of risk. Of course, there's a, there's a big difference between a calculated risk and an unwarranted gamble. There's definitely a difference between the two. Life is a walk of faith. We don't always know everything that lies around the next corner. There's going to be some risk involved, but a calculated risk, one which you have labored to ascertain should the downside occur, and that's not negative thinking, that's actually very positive thinking. I'm thinking back to years ago when I was preparing for my first trip to Haiti to visit our sister church and to see what I could do to help their community create jobs and education opportunities. Haiti was preparing for their first democratic elections in decades. Rioting was going on. United Nations troops were trying to maintain the peace, and as many as 19 people a day were being kidnapped or killed. Being a cautious sort of fellow, I asked our trip organizers, what preparations have been made, I asked, to ensure the safety of our team? Another member of the group responded, Oh, Dave, you know, we're going there to do God's work. We should put our trust in God. But I've got to tell you, having spent 20 years in the military, you can imagine my response. I said, you know, I love God as much as the next person, but I want to know where the back door is. We as leaders have to see the opportunity and also minimize the risk. We have to have our heads up and be looking for opportunity and then be willing to take the measured steps necessary to seize it. The fourth point I want to make today is about successful leadership, especially during times of adversity or difficulty, has to be, you have to be capable of managing stress in order to keep from getting bent out of shape. As leaders, I think it's really important that we help people develop resilience. Dean Becker, uh, co-founder of Adaptive Learning Systems, made the comment that resilience is more important to success than any other single factor because market conditions will change and vary. My friends, the business environment is changing and vary. The, the community environment is changing and varying. Uh, the world has become so complex a leader has to be a resilient person in order to succeed in the environments that we are facing today and tomorrow. Now, resilience in textbook terms is defined as a quality that enables a body under compressive stress to regain its original shape and size without being permanently deformed or ruptured. Again, for us, in a personal way, it means being able to handle pressure without getting bent out of shape. It means 
springing back. We're able to handle stress without seeing things change dramatically in our lives. And the principles that you hold dear and the vision that you have for your endeavor, whatever it is, is resilient and will withstand the pressure. A good example of resilience, if you think about it, if you've played sports, is just about the ball, any ball used in any sport. When it is compressed, it comes back. It absorbs the pressure and returns to its original shape. This is resilience. There may be some things that pressure does that you have to accommodate a little differently. Uh, sometimes if you're in business, you may have to downsize. You may have to, in your household, constrain your budget or your spending and revisit your budget on a regular basis. There may be some things that you have to do to react to an adverse situation by changing, but the whole idea is that you are aiming at completely regaining the shape, the size, the nature of your pursuit. There's no permanent deformation or rupture regarding your vision, your goals, your objectives, your value system, your belief system. These things cannot and must not be affected. And lastly, I want to conclude this examination of leadership under uh, adversity or when the chips are down by talking about one of the most important considerations when it comes to successful leadership during hard times. This is going to harken back to the way we defined leadership in the past. Leadership is exercising influence over the decision-making and direction other people's lives take in, an op in, a, in a positive way. The influence that you exert on others, if it's going to be lasting and meaningful, presupposes that you are a leader that people actually want to follow. Leadership during difficult times often becomes harsh, critical, finding blame in other people's lives, pointing fingers, if you will. It becomes concerned about, well, again, it's about me. I've got to figure a way. I've got to come up with an idea. I've got to succeed. In a sense, it becomes introverted in terms of motivation and in terms of evaluating behavior. My friends, people aren't going to want to follow that kind of leadership. The bottom line is this. You have to give some thought to considering what kind of leader you would like to follow and what kind of leader can you become that will cause other people to want to follow your lead. You can't force them to respond to your leadership. You can't forcibly, well, I suppose you can if you're the boss and you're signing the payroll check, but I mean in the sense that their effort, their loyalty is not going to be there and they'll vote with their feet the first opportunity they get. This doesn't just involve staffing matters. It involves your customer base, your market as well. People have to believe that it's in their best interests to follow your lead, to submit to your influence, which is what is required for you to succeed. They have to be able from their heart, voluntarily open themselves to the direction you bring in that particular area of their life. They have to want to follow your lead. You're going to have to give considerable thought to becoming the kind of leader that other people want to follow. If you give consideration to that, it will become kind of obvious People want to follow a can-do, 
a positive, an enthusiastic and optimistic and encouraging kind of leader. So you can see where I'm going with this. Let me suggest that there is one prime consideration that perhaps supersedes all others in becoming the kind of leader that people want to follow. I made the comment that they have to believe that it's in their best interest, the people that follow you, whether they are a member of your staff or a potential customer, they have to believe that it's in their best interest to respond to the influence you're exerting in their life. If they perceive a conflict of interest, then you've lost them. You've lost a great deal of effectiveness in terms of your leadership effort. The primary way that we align our leadership effort with the best interests of people who have been brought into association with us, either as staff or customers, is, in my opinion, and you've heard me say this before, by adopting an attitude of servant leadership. I've done it in messages in the past, and, and we try to highlight this in almost every show that we do here on KKPZ. I'm sure you've seen other books written about it. Servant leadership is becoming an awareness that is dominating a lot of corporate thought today. Leadership can no longer be unto itself or into itself. It can't ask, what's best for me? How am I going to come out of this okay? What have I got to do to secure my future? That kind of leadership is ultimately going to be doomed because you have to be able to communicate to others that your efforts in that area are going to be in their best interests. A servant leader is able to communicate with effectiveness this truth if it's a view of leadership that he or she really holds. You can't manipulate the matter and try to sell other people a bill of goods that you're really in this for them when on a deeper level that's not the case because people will see through it. Ultimately, transparency will win the day. You will make a slip in your communications or in the things that you do and it'll suddenly become obvious to others that your motive is your best interest and right away you've lost much effectiveness in the leadership arena when that happens. You genuinely have to adopt the idea that the chiefest of all is going to be the servant of all. When you begin considering what you can do to serve another's best interest in your leadership role, you'll see that you don't have to sacrifice your vision at all. What you probably will have to change is your methodology. You're going to need to change some things that will able, enable you to better achieve your vision. Really seeing that you've been given this unique opportunity as a leader to positively impact other people's lives is the beginning of a progression towards a fulfillment of that vision. Using your skills and your abilities and your authority in a way that begins to address, first of all, the needs that others have is the way to go. Your efforts being in the best interest of those first who work for you and then secondly for those who your customer base, your people uh, work with your customer base or represent your market. Those who work for you, those who are on your team, need to understand that you've come to the conclusion that the greatest success of your endeavor, whatever it may be, truly lies in their success. When you help them succeed, 
in what you've hired them to do, you are actually enabling your effort corporately to succeed. It isn't a matter of having hired them so that they can help you do what you want to do. You've been put in a position of leadership to help others. You're in a position of stewardship. When you begin seeing yourself as a resource to their development and the fulfillment of the people you lead, you become a resource to them and someone who enables them to do the job you've hired them to do. Not badgering them, not demanding from them, but inputting into them things that need to be changed or corrected so that they can rise to the fullness of their calling. When this is really something that you see as a basic necessity of leadership, things will begin to change dramatically. People will begin to understand that their best interests are being served by being aligned with whatever effort it is that you're making. They'll begin to catch the vision. They'll make it their own. They, uh, on at least a subliminal level, realize that their best effort is not just for you, but it's also for their own future, their own advancement, their own success. It begins by your having this view of your relationship with them. You are there to help them succeed, not to have them as scapegoats when things don't work right, not to be the one you can blame when there's a budget or a problem and badger them, not to threaten them with the possibility of termination or losing the next pay raise. You're there to help them succeed. It's a hugely important message that you convey when this is something that you feel from your heart. And that's the way it has to come, is right from your heart. The other thing that accompanies their best interest and something that's very important for you to do is to be as loyal to them as you would like for them to be to you. Loyal and protecting and securing their future, their salary, their work environment. Again, when you make that effort to demonstrate to them that you'll go to any extreme you're capable of to protect their best interest, then, my friends, they're going to want to follow your lead. They're going to have an ear to hear what you have to say. They're going to be just as loyal to you when the chips are down as you have been and demonstrated yourself to be to them. Becoming a servant leader. This is just one of many aspects of things we could discuss, but becoming a servant leader is hugely important. I don't think I can move on without mentioning that part of that process involves your willingness to delegate and empower. Micromanagement was one of my problems early in my leadership history, my, my personal history. I had a hard time taking my hands off the things I'd hired other people to do so that I was always there looking over their shoulders. I remember as a brand new lieutenant, I had been placed in charge of a team of 35 people whose collective goal was to interpret and process intelligence information. Having spent my first years in the service as an intelligence analyst, I'd been really good at doing that set of tasks. So when I first took charge of the team, I poured over every report that came out of the team. Whenever I saw a mistake or an area for improvement, I would run out to the operations floor, paper in hand, and start instructing my team how to correct errors or how to do a better job. 
And finally, one day, the senior enlisted person who worked for me pulled me aside. He said, sir, my job is to fix those errors and improve those processes. Your job is to lead. And you can lead best by getting out of our way. In that moment, I realized I was going to have to trust them to do what they were hired and trained to do. Get my hands off, be a resource to them, and let the gifting in them achieve the goals and objectives I'd set. And don't make the mistake of micromanaging. You, my friends, have to do this too. You have to delegate. You have to do so freely. You have to empower. That means it does you no good to delegate a responsibility to someone without giving them the resource, whether it's budget or people or whatever they need, to reasonably accomplish that job. Delegation and empowerment is hugely important, and I would suggest that even more important is a matter of trust. People aren't going to follow someone they cannot trust. Now, obviously, that's the antithesis of believing that you're operating in their best interest, but if they can't trust you, then they're going to be convinced in advance that you have a secondary motive in what you're saying or doing. Even though you may talk a good game, they really can't trust that you have their best interests at heart. So, I can go on and on. There are other things that we could spend time talking about. Perhaps your enthusiasm, your optimism, your refusal to quit, your you're going to win, you're positive, you're on the upside, you're there to be a resource for people that work for you and to your customer base to help them in their time of need, to be able to be transparent in your communications so that short-term trust can be built. They feel like you're a person of integrity because you've made an effort not to hide things from them that would be important for you to know if you were in their shoes. As you think through these things, And as you give time to the deliberation of what it would take for you to want to follow somebody else's lead, then I believe you'll see changes you can make. And if you're going to lead successfully when the chips are down, you're going to have to become a leader that others want to follow. You have to become a servant leader. I hope you found this discussion useful. Until next time, this is David McNamee with Leadership Moments. Thank you for joining us for Leadership Moments with David McNamee. You can schedule an appointment with David by calling 971-204-0373 or email him at dmcnamee at foundationsforleaders.com. David has a wide variety of resources to help you, and you can find those resources at www.foundationsforleaders.com. Take the time to call David this week or contact him through Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or email. And join us every Thursday at 2 p.m. for Leadership Moments, right here on KKPZ 1330, The Truth. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.